Well, I want to start by, uh, by offering a word of thanks. A uh, word of thanks uh, for all of uh, your kind words and well wishes uh, as Andrea, Grant, Jude, and I have uh, welcomed uh, Ren, uh, our brand new daughter, into our house. Uh, yeah, we, uh, we really love her. And, uh, and it has been a real joy. Our house is just full with a lot of joy uh, and a little bit of chaos uh, in these days. And so I wanted to say uh, thank you uh, for all of, uh, all of your kind words. also want to say thank you to, uh, to Pastor Mike. You see, it was, uh, it was just over two weeks ago, a Thursday morning, uh, that I call him from the hospital. Uh, and I was supposed to be the preacher in uh, two and a half days. And uh, Pastor Mike said, uh, you know where you need to be. When I preach this Sunday. So I want to say thank you to him, uh, which also gives me this opportunity to preach today on Pentecost Sunday. And now uh, with that word of thanks out of the way, I want to take you back to a moment uh, that took place about two weeks ago, uh, the day before Ren was born. See, I'd, uh, I'd gotten up to church on a Wednesday afternoon. I was here uh, for pizza and praise. And uh, when I got here, I, I bumped into a group of guys who attend our after-school program. Uh, they, were, uh, they were here, and they were in third, fourth, and fifth grade. And so you can just imagine the scene as I walk up to their table, and I ask them, how many days of school are left? Now, uh, who can guess whether or not they had the right answer? Yeah, all of them. They look back at me and they say, 12 days. There are 12 days of school left. And that's when one of these kids uh, looks down at his fingers and he starts to count the number of hours uh, that he had left until he got out of school. I mean, you could tell uh, that they were ready uh, to be finished. See, now it's, uh, it's a little over two weeks later. Uh, and what strikes me today is that uh, what was once a future possibility is now a present reality. What was once a future possibility is now a present reality. And, uh, and we got a few families uh, out of town uh, this weekend, but, uh, but I do know uh, that we still have a few people here this morning who are students. And a few people here this morning uh, who are teachers and uh, and you see, Memorial Day weekend, it means that now school is a finished thing. School is a finished thing. Uh, the hard work is done. The long labor is over. And finally, you can take this break and enjoy uh, what, you can what you have accomplished. And I started a sermon this way uh, because I want you to notice something uh, about our faith and our life together. Actually, I want you to notice uh, two things. We'll get to the second thing in just a minute. Uh, the first thing I want you to notice about our faith and life together is that our faith and life together, just like Memorial Day is built on a finished thing, school is over, our faith and life together is built on a finished thing. And that finished thing is the death and resurrection of Jesus. And, uh, and for the past seven weeks uh, during the Easter season, that's what we've been celebrating you see that, uh, that finished story, uh, it takes us all the way back to the very beginning of the Christian story. Take us all the way back to the beginning when God makes this good world. And, uh, and if you remember that story, you also remember uh, that when God makes a good world, he also makes two people. And in the beginning, Adam and Eve, they're not just good, they're very good. 
And so in the beginning of the story, everything is exactly uh, how God wants it. But you don't have to read that far in the Bible to discover that things don't stay that way. You see, Adam and Eve, these two good people, uh, they have a hard time trusting God. You see, the serpent shows up and makes them wonder, can we really trust God? I mean, is he really going to take care of us? Is he going to really give us everything uh, that we need? And then they wonder, what do we do if there's something we need to know and God doesn't tell us? You see, that's why this story, the Christian story, uh, goes the way it does. That's why Adam and Eve eat from the tree of the knowledge of, of good and evil, because they're not sure. They're not sure if they can call on the name of the Lord. And that's the moment that sin enters the world. Adam and Eve decide that it's far simpler and far safer to simply trust themselves uh, than trust the Lord. And what we confess as Christians is that if we were there, we would have done the exact same thing that they did. And yet the, the wonderful news uh, that we discover as Christians is that God isn't willing to let things stay this way. Uh, that God's going to do whatever it takes to put this broken, hurting, sinful world back together again. And, and the hope that we have as Christians is that this work, the work of putting our world back together again, of redeeming and restoring what was lost, that work is a finished thing. See, it started in the garden when God promised that he'll do it. It continues in the Old Testament when God works through a person, his family, and eventually the nation they become. And it finds its fulfillment in Jesus. You see, when, when that person, his family, and the nation they become, when they aren't able to do it, God sends his son. and He does what they couldn't. He completes the work. He finishes the task. He accomplishes the mission. You see, 2,000 years ago, Jesus gave his life to put our broken, hurting, sinful world back together again, to redeem and restore what was lost, to take the punishment that we deserved upon himself. And when God raised Jesus from the dead, he gave us certainty what he set out to do, he actually accomplished. Now, I don't know about you, but I find great comfort in the fact that the thing our faith is built on is a finished thing. I mean, the, the biggest, most important questions in my life, who am I? Why am I here? What's my relationship like with God and others? The most important questions in my life and yours have already been answered. They've been answered by Jesus 2,000 years ago in this unique, unrepeatable event, his death and resurrection. But you see, I said that there were, uh, there were two things that I wanted you to notice about our faith and life together. The first thing is that our faith and life together is built on a finished thing, uh, the death and resurrection of Jesus, this unique and unrepeatable event. I mean, that's the first thing. But the second thing I want you to notice is this. Pentecost is different. Pentecost is different because unlike the death and resurrection of Jesus in one sense, Pentecost isn't 
finished. Uh, now, as I uh, have mentioned a few times, uh, today is Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday is uh, it's one of the great festivals uh, in the church year, and the word festival is simply the church word that we use to refer to a, a church holiday. And so Pentecost is a, is a church holiday on this uh, Memorial Day weekend, and, and we celebrate is, uh, is the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's something that, uh, that Jesus promises disciples. Uh, that's what you read and heard uh, in today's gospel reading, and then the giving of the Spirit the first time uh, that the Spirit's given. That takes place 50 days after Easter, uh, and it's kind of convenient because the word Pentecost literally means 50th. But it might surprise you to learn uh, that before Pentecost is a, is a Christian holiday, uh, it's a Jewish holiday. It's uh, one of their great festivals, and it takes place 50 days after Passover, which is where it originally gets its name. And the important detail is this. On Pentecost, every Jewish man is required to return to Jerusalem, offer sacrifice uh, to the Lord, to, to worship him. And that's why in today's reading from the book of Acts, you have people from all sorts of places all around the world gathered in Jerusalem to come and worship the Lord. And, and this is what's happening when God decides to send his Holy Spirit. You know, as I mentioned in the, the children's message, uh, the thing that we tend to remember in this story uh, is, is the miracle. It's uh, the fact that the wind blows, these tongues of fire descend, and, uh, and people who speak all sorts of different languages, because they're from all sorts of different places, they're actually able to understand each other. And that's the part that we tend to remember. But the most important part of Pentecost is not that miracle. It's not people speaking in different languages. It's the fact that God sends the Holy Spirit. See, when God sends the Holy Spirit, he, he calls people to faith. When God sends the Holy Spirit, he empowers people, people like Peter, but also people like us, to serve as bold and powerful witnesses. See, this is what makes Pentecost different. Because most of the things that we celebrate as Christians, uh, most of the, the events that we celebrate are these unique and unrepeatable events. I mean, Jesus is born once. Jesus dies once. And Jesus rises from the dead once. I want to be clear. Uh, these are the things uh, that our faith is built on. And they're done. They're finished. But the important part of Pentecost, God sending the Holy Spirit, God calling people to faith, God empowering people to serve as bold and powerful witnesses, uh, that part isn't finished. And so uh, the important thing in today's Pentecost story, it actually repeats itself a number of times in the book of Acts. If you, if you flash forward uh, two chapters after this reading in Acts chapter 2, uh, God sends his spirit once again uh, when the apostles John and Peter find themselves in a time of opposition. See, they're in the Sanhedrin, uh, and it looks like everything might just be over, and that's when God sends the Holy Spirit. He renews their witness. 
And then it happens a couple of chapters again after that. Uh, people up in Samaria, uh, 50, 100 miles north of Jerusalem, they're beginning to believe. See, uh, Philip's been preaching to them, and the people who are there, uh, they've actually been baptized, but they've only been baptized in the name of Jesus. And so Peter and John show up, they pray, and God sends the Holy Spirit down on the Samaritans. And uh, it happens again. A few chapters after that, God sends the Holy Spirit one more time. Uh, the, the people in Caesarea Philippi, God sends the Spirit there on a Roman centurion, the first Gentile convert. He sends the Spirit, and, uh, and he and his family begin to believe. You know, this happens again and again and again in the book of Acts, and, uh, and I could go on and on, uh, but my point is this. What we celebrate today isn't just a unique and unrepeatable event. I mean, maybe the tongues of fire and the, the speaking different languages are, uh, but God calling people to faith, God empowering people to serve as bold and powerful witnesses, that part's been happening ever since. Now, I don't know if I've, uh, I've actually said this out loud uh, this year, uh, but it's been a pretty exciting year for me as a, a pastor. And, uh, and part of the reason why is that, uh, that this year at Messiah, we have seen the Holy Spirit at work in ways that we can see with our own two eyes. You see, uh, we are five months uh, into the year, and in those five months, uh, there have already been six baptisms here at Messiah. Six times that the Holy Spirit has been at work in ways that we can see uh, with our own two eyes, calling people to faith, bringing them into the family of God, and assuring them of the promises that God makes to us in Jesus. Six times uh, that the Holy Spirit has been at work in ways that we can see with our own two eyes. Uh, but the thing I, I have to keep on reminding myself is that uh, the Holy Spirit's at work even when we can't see him. See, four of those uh, six baptisms uh, were the baptisms of people who were not infants or little babies, which is to say uh, that they showed up over there at that font, uh, not just because uh, their parents uh, grabbed them in their arms and walked them over there. Uh, they showed up there because uh, the Holy Spirit uh, was doing something. That happens in every baptism, really. Uh, but the Holy Spirit was, was probably doing more than just one something in getting those people there. It'd be a little bold and audacious to say that we could uh, name and number what all of those things were, but they happened. And they happened because 2,000 years ago on Pentecost, uh, God started something that he continues to do. He continues to pour out his spirit. He continues to call people of faith. He continues uh, to empower bold and powerful witnesses. And the reason that he does this is because he doesn't want us to wonder like Adam and Eve did back in the garden. You see, God wants us to know that we can trust him. We can call on the name of the Lord uh, like Peter quotes the prophet Joel saying uh, in today's reading, he wants us to know that we can do that. And so God keeps on sending his spirit, and he keeps on pointing us back to that one finished thing, what God has already done in Jesus. 
Now, if you'll, uh, if you'll permit me uh, one more thing, I said that, uh, that it's been an exciting year for me as a pastor. Part of that has to do with all these baptisms. Another part of it uh, has to do with something that Pastor Mike uh, has been doing. See, uh, as many of you know, a part of Pastor Mike's role is, uh, is New American uh, Ministry. He's been involved in that uh, for a number of years. And over the past four years, uh, that New American Ministry has involved uh, a ministry to a group of people, a group of youth, uh, from Africa. And, uh, and for the past two years, uh, that's involved a very intentional partnership uh, with Christ Memorial Lutheran Church. Um, and it's involved uh, an African youth ministry that meets here on Sunday nights uh, throughout the school year. Uh, but you see, that's just the last two years. What Pastor Mike's been doing has actually been going on uh, for four years. It actually got started uh, right back uh, at the beginning or just before uh, COVID. You see, Pastor Mike was, uh, was leading a Bible study on Zoom uh, with a couple of people in South City from Africa. And those couple of people who uh, attended that Bible study on Zoom, uh, those couple of people uh, didn't usually turn their video on when he was leading that Bible study. And Mike, I don't want to put words in your mouth, uh, but if I had to identify a time when the Holy Spirit was working and I could not see it, uh, that's probably a moment that I'd point to. Yeah, just a couple of weeks ago, I showed up here on a, on a Sunday uh, night, and I found myself uh, downstairs in the fellowship hall, and it was packed full of people. Uh, people here to attend uh, an African youth ministry, uh, people here to lead an African youth ministry, and people here to, uh, to serve as bold and powerful witnesses. It was packed full of people, people who have been called by the Spirit, People have been called just like you have been called to have faith and to give a witness. You see, what that says to me uh, is that you have to be pretty careful because you don't always know uh, when or how the Holy Spirit is working. And, uh, and that's something that, uh, that makes me especially uncomfortable, uh, especially as a Lutheran. Uh, but the Holy Spirit is working as he wills. And, uh, and he is because Pentecost isn't finished. Because God is still sending his spirit. He's still calling people to faith. He's still empowering people uh, to give a witness. And he's doing it even when we can't see it. And so it's my prayer uh, that God would bless you in those moments. Uh, that he would, he would use his spirit to help you to trust and that he would surprise you with all the ways uh, that he continues to work, calling, gathering, and enlightening his people here on earth. May God grant that to you through the Spirit, for Jesus' sake. Amen.